and Adrian Broadus. Uh, we're born to run here on Sports Talk for the next two and a half uh, with you on a Tuesday edition of the program. He is the incomparable Adrian Broadus. I'm simply Steve Kaplowitz, and together we've got you for the next couple hours before we get to uh, Mr. Tim Haggerty, Mr. Chihuahua's baseball himself, giving us the isotopes and the Chihuahuas from Albuquerque. First pitch, 635 tonight. And um, excited about that game. Excited about the uh, Chihuahuas coming off that four-game win streak. Man, the minute we stopped playing Hags' game preview, they they caught fire again, Adrian. I, I still feel bad that I actually spent two days playing that canned preview because, as you know, I am a superstitious individual, and I decided we are going to end that mojo uh, before it gets any worse. And sure enough, the minute we stopped playing that uh, you know 90-second uh, Haggerty feature, uh, they start winning. Yeah, let's see if it carries into this week. Uh, the Chihuahuas have a big road matchup this week. I think it's Albuquerque, right? Uh, um, yeah, it's Albuquerque this week. They're on the road. And uh, we've got it. Uh, we got everybody covered. Six thirty, first pitch out in Albuquerque, and uh, Tim Haggerty will be back with us for our final countdown. No previews uh, coming from our side. All right, so that's good. Um, no, no previews. Well, first off, the good news is we never Hags doesn't have an actual preview for road games like he does for home games. Remember, those are oh, really? done. Yeah, he doesn't do that because the preview is specifically designed for fans that enter the ballpark where they watch Tim's uh, little um, stand-up about 15 minutes before the game. That's the that's really the whole point of those previews. Well, I guess they do a good job of posting them because I feel like every time before Chihuahua's games, home or away, I see them. So they do a great job posting them. They always show up on my feed, and uh, I guess that's what makes home games that much more special. You get the Hags previews. It does, and I'm with you on that, and I totally agree with that. Totally. Uh, meanwhile, you know, we've got Hags uh, coming up later in the show. We also... Have UTEP soccer at 5 o'clock. They've got their season opener coming up on Thursday and excited about that as well. So Yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun, Steve. They've got their opener this weekend, and uh, it's the Coach Keaton era, which gets underway this uh, Thursday, their first game. That's right. That is right. Uh, meanwhile, Adrian, we also um, are working on our NFL previews. We are locking up guests for the rest of the week. That is exciting. Doc Walker is coming on with us later in the week. That is confirmed uh, today. So that's good news. And uh, we are continuing to go out and get more people. Adam Teicher will be coming on the show with us to talk about the Kansas City Chiefs. And uh, you are also efforting about another dozen people to try to continue to stack the deck for the rest of the week here on Sports Talk. That's exactly right. And if we don't get a chance to talk to all of them this week, we'll carry it over to next week and the week after that. I mean, look, we've got uh, some time ahead of the NFL season, so I think we'll get a chance to catch up with some of these reporters. Uh, start Got it started yesterday, Raiders, uh, and of course the Packers with Rob Domofsky and then Harry Ruiz for Las Vegas. So yeah, it's it's that time of year. It's time to get all of the football fans excited about this year's NFL season, and we're going to have some great guests this week to talk about it. We are. We absolutely are. So uh, big story today. Um, about something we already knew, uh, and that is Dennis Dodd wrote uh, hours ago that Cal, Stanford, Oregon State, and Washington State are preparing to take financial hits. And by the way, 
They've got their own, they, you know, I, I, I don't want to say they have their own selves to blame because the truth is this. When we heard the story that ESPN offered them $30 million and they came back and wanted 50 after UCLA and USC had already left the conference, we don't know who was calling the shots. I mean, I seriously doubt the Pac-12 commissioner advised all the schools, let's not take this deal, let's get more. Chances are he was given directive from presidents of the member institutions. We just never heard who advised them so poorly. That's the key. But whoever did, wouldn't it be ironic if the presidents that said, no, we want more money, are the ones that left and ended up bailing out to go to the Pac-10 and the uh, the Big Ten and the uh, Big 12? (laughs) Yeah, they were the ones who ended up uh, persuading everybody on the side. That would be that would be really hilarious. And then, of course, they would have gotten what they, you know, what they deserved in that case. But I mean, man, it it just shows me this is poor planning by the Pac-12, which then lost uh, some of its members, became the Pac-10, lost more members, became the Pac-8. And now it's all the way down to four members uh, with Cal, Stanford, Washington State, Oregon State. And we still don't know what's going to happen with those squads right there. They're not very marketable to other Power Five conferences like the ACC. It's not like uh, those conferences are jumping to go down and make a, a downward move to join the Mountain West or the American Athletics. So we're still waiting to see what ends up happening with all these schools. I still would not understand why, if the Pac-4 tried to convince the Mountain West schools to leave the Mountain West and hook up with them. I don't listen. Sorry, but I don't think Cal, Stanford, Oregon State, and Washington State has enough juice to keep themselves all Power Five. So I, I just don't understand. Like, if you already have a good situation going in the Mountain West, why would you leave and know you're still? It's a lateral move. You're going to become a Group of Five school. Maybe instead of four or five million dollars in media rights fees, you get ten million. So I guess there, that's always nice when you double it, but not for those Pac Four schools that are used to getting the thirty plus million a year or t- whatever it was. Now going to be cut in. Uh, possibly a third or less when it's all said and done. Yeah, and a lot of our listeners have reminded us that uh, schools like uh, Cal have already made projects on renovating things like their football stadium. Same with Oregon State. So if you've made these commitments as a university, but you know that the money that's coming in isn't going to be the same money that you rely on year in and year out from the Pac-12, a power conference, then it puts you in a bind. And I'd be worried if I were those athletic departments right there because I mean it's not something like you know some people would call us and say oh well that means they're gonna have to cut other sports no that's not necessarily the case it just means they're gonna struggle financially and they will rely on their fan base much more now than ever you know what else is interesting too what happens to the 13 million to 15 million dollars the Pac-12 is owed in basketball units accrued across past NCAA tournaments plus the Pac-12 networks infrastructure then what happens Oh, and by the way, how about this? The Pac-12 owes, owes $50 million to Comcast due to overpayments, which will count against the bottom line. Oh, no. So they're not, I mean, come on. They got to make sure all these receipts are paid for, man. All these invoices are paid for. That's right. That's right. And like uh, Dennis Dodd put a great example in his story today up at CBSSports.com, uh, apparently um, Washington State is already preparing for a $11.5 million annual athletic shortfall. 
Well, that's going to be really tough. I mean, how do you project that right there? I mean, that's that's basically money that you were counting on to come in year in and year out, and now you're going to have to – the challenges for those athletic departments is trying to make that up in other ways. I, that's probably through donors, which they don't have, or it could be through fan bases that might not be as inclined to go to these games as they once were in, in, a, pow, in a Power 5 conference. No, you're right. And that's uh, once again why we're we're you know we're talking about this, and I I don't know what's going to happen. I I can't I I can't look into a crystal ball and figure out if the Mountain West. Let's just say for argument's sake, the Pac Four convinces San Diego State, Fresno State, UNLV. Um, let me think. San Diego State, Fresno State, UNLV, San Jose State. That would be four, and then uh, that would turn to eight to leave the Mountain West and join them in the pack and say, you know what, we're going to make this a very convenient conference as far as travel goes. We don't want to travel all over the country. We want to travel in a very short area. And if we're going to go group of five, let's limit our uh, travel cost and make it as, as much as possible. Well, what happens when the Mountain West tells them, all right, goodbye, and by the way, you owe us $34 million each for leaving the conference. How do you then pay? Even if the Pac-12 tries to come up with a, um, you know, some kind of way to, to help those schools cover their exit fees in order to go to the Pac-4, why would you do it? You're not going to stay you're not leaving and becoming a power five. There is no way San Jose State's going to be a power five. There's no way a lot of these schools are going to be a power five. And more than anything else, you're not going to recognize that league with only four plus these Mountain West schools as a Power Five conference. I just don't see it happening. It's, it makes no sense. Yeah, I mean, then what are we uh, talking about that conference? An automatic bid to the college football playoff? An automatic bid for the NCAA tournament or get a couple teams in the NCAA tournament? I just don't feel like that's realistic right there. And when you compare it to the Mountain West, they send teams to bowl games year in and year out, and they, they have successful football programs uh, from top to bottom, and they have um, you know a lot of success when it comes to the NCAA tournament you could see the Mountain West send up to five teams in a single season to the NCAA tournament and they're considered you know mid-major uh, uh, mid-major conference when it's all said and done you're right um, but that is still an, an interesting storyline in itself with this uh, with this whole uh, save affairs which is the you know it's it's now it's more than a week old and we still don't know what's going to happen that's what's interesting to me Adrian I thought we would know by now uh, some of the ripple effects of where these schools will be going we still don't know i doubt it's the acc we don't know if it's going to be the mountain west we don't know if it's going to be the american athletic we don't know if somehow the pack is going to try to convince schools from both of those conferences to leave and reform with them to keep the pack name and try to uh, stay power five even though that's uh, probably uh, there's no chance of that happening yeah, the only things that we do know this week is we do know the SEC is set. They don't want to expand, which is not a big surprise whatsoever. Uh, the Big Ten, it looks like they're going to remain intact as it stands. The one caveat for the Big Ten is if Notre Dame's open for business and maybe you look to add Stanford so you have two going in like that together, but I still think that's a little far-fetched. I don't think that's likely. So then you look at the ACC, and we found out this week that it looks like Florida State will stay in the conference. They look... They had that deadline, that drop dead uh, point to um, you know withdraw from the conference, or at least tell the conference their plans to move. And when the SEC essentially said that they were closed for business, that means the F- 
Florida State would stay in the ACC. All this realignment stuff is very confusing. I think the way that it relates to us here in El Paso is that we watched the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl year in and year out, so we're worried about the Pac-12's volatility. But I know that the Sun Bowl representatives already have uh, you know plans in place. They want to look at the Big Ten. They want to look at the Big 12 if that were to happen as far as the dissolvement of the Pac-12. So then what? Now you're looking at UTEP in a, um, you know, hoping that they could have an opportunity to join the Mountain West, which is now, as the days continue, looking more unrealistic as, it, as you know, the days continue here. Yeah, we just don't know. We, uh, and, and I guess the fun part about the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl is this is the last time you will ever see the Pac-12 in its current form. So this is kind of like the farewell Pac-12 game for El Pasoans. I mean, in a way, that, that's pretty cool. I just hope they um, they go out and they get themselves uh, one of these schools that are not part of the four remaining because you want somebody that you're never gonna you're not gonna get for a while, right? And just go after go after that. How cool would it be to see yeah USC or UCLA before you head over to the bad to the Big Ten come back to El Paso? Even though we just had UCLA, USC would be an interesting option, um, and some of the other schools that are left also, you know, Oregon, Washington, that would be interesting. I feel sorry for Stanford. I feel sorry for Cal. I really feel sorry for Washington State and Oregon State because, you know, they're, they're, the, they're the leftovers. And by the way, as a UTEP fan, you can relate to what they're going through right now. You can. You can absolutely relate to that. Yeah, you definitely can. This is this kind of feels like uh, you know everybody should join this like um, corner together and just say, hey, the miserable island corner. And as sometimes minor fans call themselves miserable, I feel like you know the days to come for Oregon State fans and Washington State fans, they're, they're, it's going to come with some misery and come with some hard times if they're not happy of going down a conference and moving to a conference like the Mountain West or staying independent, which would just be an uphill battle. So uh, few. Future looks very murky for all those four schools. Should we do a crystal ball projection on Sports Talk with our listeners and let them uh, chime in on social as well as on the phones and give us their best guess of what they think will happen when the smoke clears and all this stuff is done? Yeah, it sounds great. Let's do it. I would love, love to get your, uh, your, your predictions, folks, of what you think will happen. And by the way, there's no wrong answer because we don't know, what the, we don't know what's going to happen. Nobody knows. So if you have a pretty good guess of what you think will be when the smoke clears, what will happen with these four-pack schools? What's going to happen with UTEP and everybody else? Give us a call, 505-6009. Hit us up on Twitter or on X, whatever you call it. We don't care. It's the same thing anyway. 600 ESPN El Paso. It's 600 ESPN El Paso. And also our mobile app powered by First American Bank. Good to have you with us. Let's go to Charlie One. Start it off right and get our first traffic update of the afternoon. Need to say that. I mean, really, that sounds so forced. It's hilarious. Matter of fact, when he joins us on our final countdown, play that for him, and I want him to tell me if if that is if that is a, a real like from the heart, or if in fact you know he was asked to do that, and reluctantly against his will, he kind of had to uh, force that one out. 
All right, I uh, I have it queued up uh, for the final countdown, so we're gonna have to hear from Hags on this one. Do we Put know how old that is? So he, no, no, no. So th- this is uh, he did this just a couple months ago. Our oh, network er- uh, issues have prevented us from having this. So he did this about in I would say May, and we barely got this up last week due to all our network issues that our entire company has been having. Ah, so that is uh, that is a relatively. That's why I haven't heard it before. It's one of the newer things we're playing. That's exactly right. Yes, it just barely got into the rotation last week. Play that for me one more time. I want to hear him one more time just to make sure because I was I was paying attention, but not like I really now need to listen to him and figure out if it sounds genuine. One more time. Hey, this is Tim Haggerty, the Chihuahuas broadcaster. You are listening to my favorite show, Sports Talk on 600 ESPN El Paso. Yeah, I mean, that's about as excited as Hags gets. Let's be honest. I mean, it really is. What do you think? Do you think that do you think that sounds legit or does that sound forced? No, I'm I'm gonna go legit. I'm gonna give my legit answer because uh, I asked him for ten seconds. It's ten seconds on the dot, so he mm. had to. He probably thought, all right, I got to ad lib a little bit on this, and that's probably how he, he kind of carried it over. You think so? By the way, it sounds like he's in the toilet. Was he? Uh, did, did he record that from his uh, from his home restroom? Where did he record that from? Well, I think he recorded it from the ballpark. Did he? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Okay, yes. I was I was curious. It does about it that. does sound a little hollow. It it does. Uh, King Eric uh, messages us on uh twitter and x and says stanford should be in the big 12 oregon state and washington state should be in the big 10 and cal to the mountain west utep stays where they are i think it makes sense for everyone so we asked you to do just like what king eric did go into your crystal ball and tell us what you think will happen when the smoke clears and all of this stuff gets done all right, let's go to James. He's going to voice his thoughts on realignment in this discussion. 23 past the hour, 505-6009. James, thanks for the call. How are you? Hey, Steve. I appreciate you taking my call. Sure, uh, James. Hey, so with this Pac-12 situation, they're not in any big hurry to make a move um, because, as stated before, any option with the Mountain West is going to cost those teams a lot of money to move out this year. Now, the NCAA gives conferences two years to meet the threshold of the minimum amount of teams to stay at the Division I level. So, in theory, they could play next year, not this fall season, but the 2024 season, with just the four of them for one year if they wanted to, knowing that they could grab San Diego State, UNLV, Colorado State, uh, and then reach out and grab SMU, Memphis, Tulane, and UTSA from the AAC and create a Pac-12 conference that then could bring some new media dollars to uh, the league and save them. That's kind of what the tea leaves are bringing right now. Yeah. Because this year, nobody's going to go from the Pac-12 and want to go down to the Mountain West. That's a death. They don't want to do that. But if you were to wait a year, it doesn't cost $34 million to buy out from the Mountain West. It goes down to 17 and that is more doable. The other thing is I would keep my eye on those four schools out of the ACC that are not happy. You've got Florida State, Clemson, NC State and North Carolina, they all, 
if they can find a legal way to get out of their media rights, which Florida State's president seems to think that that TV media rights deal is not what's going to keep them in the conference. They think they can get around it. And if they can, I wouldn't be surprised if they try to break off, form their own conference. Not that they would grab those other four Pac-12 teams, but if you did, then you're starting from scratch with uh, a, a, a coast-to-coast conference that would then definitely bring a lot more media dollars than well, whatever's left of the ACC. And by doing that also, with uh, you get in front of all those other conferences to renegotiate their TV contracts. Just a little side note, if the Pac-12-4, two situations, if they went to the AAC, they can't renegotiate TV contracts until 2031, I believe. But if they go to the Mountain West or something with the Mountain West, that gets renegotiated in two years. Yep. So there's more, more opportunity to get money. And lastly, if those four conference teams stay in the conference and the conference folds, not them, they can't leave, but if the conference folds, then they are, one, have the rights to whatever monies are left in the conference. Two, the current board of the Pac-12 is just those four schools. They technically have the right to ban everybody that just left the conference from going into postseason play because they all left before August 1st of 2024. I'm not saying they're going to because that's revenues, but they can also say you left the conference, you went to postseason, so be it, but the money stays in the conference and that doesn't include you. So that's just kind of how that's going to shake out in terms of the back end of stuff. Where they all land, I think that the Pac-12 will try and survive and wait a year or two and grab teams from the Mountain West and the AAC. But if they do that, um, number one, how do you play a non-conference schedule or a conference schedule of three games? It's almost like you can't, unless you play each team you twice. Play, you, and you, you would. You would have to play a round robin and then do, yeah. and then do um, you know, fill it with non-conference. So six non-conference games and then six conference games, two against each opponent, which would be weird, but it's doable. It would be. It's doable. Yeah, New Mexico State just New Mexico State just did it not too long ago against Liberty or something. I know, but they did it with one opponent, not three, not all three. But yeah, I mean, it could be true. done. But you, but you're right; those those are all viable options if they want to go there. But I guess the question is also this: What happens for basketball and all the Olympic sports? Like, how do you have a year where you essentially have no conference games? Because basketball, you're not going to play the same school six times. So it's, no, you, you know that's the only problem with that. You, you could you could probably see them funneling in for a year or so into like the West Coast Conference, something that's not considered Division One, but they are strong in in the basketball realm. Um, the, yeah. the the tough part is going to be for Stanford. They've got so many freaking sports that are not across the board at all schools in the Pac-12. Uh, they they just do, I mean, See, and they're already playing in some other divisions already. I, I think they're going to try and you, know, so you remember you remember mentioned just the scenario about trying to attract all these schools from the Mountain West and the AAC. I think they're going to try to do it now, and they're going to try to help utilize some of the monies that they're going to get. Uh, from the schools that exit to help offset their own exit fees from the Mountain West and the AAC. But if that happens, and let's just say they're successful doing that with the schools you named, 
If you're UTSA and SMU and San Diego State and UNLV and Fresno State and uh, San Jose or whoever else is going, or Boise, whoever else goes, why would you leave what you have if you know that you might be also considered group of five? Like if they get dropped from the power five, which most likely is going to happen, why would you consider leaving where you're at, which is a good situation, and going to make a parallel move, especially the Texas schools, which are going to have to really incur more travel costs in California if you're not going to make more money when it's all said and done? I believe that if they can get SMU Memphis as two of the schools in Tulane, as another school, along with San Diego State, there's enough there on the football side. Because remember, the AAC has always been that fringe, we want to be a Power Six conference. Granted, they lost they lost Houston. You know, they lost some people. Yeah, Cincinnati, Houston, Central Florida, right. Correct, correct. But if, if they could make a play for those power schools in the big media markets. That's what it's all about, the media markets. You're getting Memphis, you're getting Dallas, and you're getting San Antonio along with San Diego to add to a package. The dollars alone that could come from a new media rights deal that if you stay with the AAC, you're locked in until like 2031. Where if you jump to this, you can renegotiate early and could possibly be getting more monies early on and then, yeah, you might be a group of five for a, for a year or mm-hmm. two, but they might be enough there, depending on who they can secure yeah. on the football side, to stay a power five. It's fascinating it stuff. Power five. It is, but so, still a yeah. power five. I hear you. Appreciate it, James. Yeah. Thanks for the call. Appreciate you getting in. Bottom of the hour. More in a moment as Sports Talk rolls along. But first, Adrian's next. He's got a Sports Center update. Adrian, uh, James gave us a lot to think about as you try to unpack some of his scenarios. What do you think? Yeah, actually, it's some really interesting thoughts. I oh, I love the fact that he mentioned the renegotiation deal with the Mountain West. I think that's kind of the first part on it. But what is the Mountain West gaining by adding any of those squads, any of those four uh, Pac-4 uh, pack teams, Cal, Stanford, Washington State, Oregon State? You can make the argument that there's value with Stanford, no doubt about it, but what about the other schools right there? I don't know if there's that much value there. I think when you get to that rework deal on the television side, maybe you get a couple, you know, a, you know, more money, reasonably so, but not a substantial amount of money. I, I think that's the bottom line. Well, Cal and Stanford's biggest, uh, biggest, um, you know, gains is academic wise. That's for sure. Really, really improves your academic profile. And the truth is, is that all four schools could become instant contenders for the postseason because the road to uh, winning is easier in the Mountain West than it ever was in the Pac-12 for them. Yeah, but then recruiting depreciates. And, Big time. and you don't get the same recruits as you had before uh, when you were in the Pac-12. So that's the one thing that hurts you there. Adrian at Enemy Win, the number three, uh, hits us up on Twitter and X and says, wishful thinking, the Pac-4 pickup UTEP and NMSU, and add Montana, Montana State, uh, Grand Canyon, and the Vols. Champ plays in the Sun Bowl. All right. Thank you, Enemy Win, the number three. Appreciate that. Let's go to Orly. He joins us next here on Sports Talk 505-6009. Orlando, what's going on? You know, James makes a lot of points. I mean, he made a lot of uh, 
lot of, uh, wow. I mean, I can see Cal, Washington State, and Oregon State going down to the Mount West. I see Stafford going as an independent. They've got the resource to be independent. They've got the name. They've got the Olympic sports. Um, I just, I, I don't think the Southeast Conference wants them. It's ironic. The two most liberal colleges in America are left out. Cal and Stanford. That's true. Um, the two most liberals. Think about it. They're not going to go to the South. <laughs> uh, I think the Big Ten is, I mean, they're they're between a, a rock and a hard place. You're right. We know how their field because it happened to UTEP. Um, I just think if Cal, Cal goes to the Mountain West along with Washington State and, and uh, Oregon State, that leaves the Mountain West with an uneven number. Would they take UTEP at that point to make it 16? That's a possibility. Uh, but I don't know. SMU wants out. They don't want to be in the AAC. They're mad because UT San Antonio and North Texas were allowed in there. They've been wanting to get out. Uh, some of these schools like SMU are so arrogant. They think they'd be long in a power five, and they don't. Well, remember, it wasn't that long ago. SMU, Houston, TCU, UTEP were all in Conference they're USA not, together. Yeah, absolutely. So they're not much any better, and they don't even draw that well. I saw with only about 21,000 for football. Uh, yeah, but, of course, you, once you play a better schedule, they're going to get more people. There's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. But I just, I don't, I mean, this, I'm, there's rumblings of what someone had told me that Coastal Carolina wants out of the Sun Belt. Um, Already? No, yeah. Yeah, see, there is a possibility there. There's another team they may want to go. Do you keep the affiliation of the Pac-12 or Pac-10 if they move into the Pac-10 so it stays as a power conference? And they and it's not a new conference because they can keep their their one their bids to the to the title game and NCAA basketball by staying as a, as a Pac-12 school. Mm-hmm. So that stays there. So I, it, it's going to be interesting. There's going to be a lot more fallout, and it's uh, it. Would they raid the AAC? Does Memphis want to really go all the way to the West Coast? It's not that much difference in the money. Might as well stay where you're at, travel-wise. People have to realize, you got to look at their budget. It costs a lot of money going cross-country with these Olympic sports. That it's not it all does. about football. That you got to think does. about, how about the student-athletes? You gotta, well, I don't call them student-athletes anymore because they're all getting paid. Look at the employees. they got to go all over the country. The employees, I love that. That is awesome. The employees. Forget calling them student-athletes. Let's just call them the employees. Call them employees, yeah. That's what they are now. Because they can leave anytime they want. All right, guys, that's it. Appreciate the call. Thanks, Rolly. All right. 38 past the hour as we continue here on Sports Talk. I don't know, Adrian. Uh, Again, Lots of possibilities. I, I just look back though, and I think about the whack in like 1996. You had Tulsa who just joined, TCU just joined, SMU had just come in, San Jose State had just come in, um, Rice had arrived that year, UNLV had arrived. Uh, all in 96, by the way. Fresno was already in at that point, but what a league that was. 
realistically unbelievable yeah i feel like we get reminded way too often how how much quality really was in conference usa over time and we get reminded way too often uh the fact that there have been universities that have simply surpassed utep in terms of just where they're at and, and their ranking and you know you you talk about utsa we we heard james mention them uh in the previous call though they surpassed utep they were below utep and they surpassed them into the american athletic conference so I think that's what frustrates a lot of the local fans uh, the most, just seeing all these other schools across Texas who we thought were lower on a scale in terms of productivity below UTEP. Well, now they're surpassing them. In those, they were they were lower at one point, but everybody's gotten better. I mean, except uh, you know that's the thing is that you've looked at again. Uh, you know, forget CUSA in two thousand five when UTEP joined. Look at the whack in the late nineties. When the WAC was before it split off into the Mountain West, what it looked like. Right, and then people back then were probably wondering, well, why can't UTEP get in the border conference? You know, that was the best conference out th- out there, the Southwest Conference and stuff like that. And they're mm. remembering days with Arizona State on uh, the conference schedule and stuff. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, UTEP has been a part of some really great leagues. And right now, uh, here in 2023, it's not a great league whatsoever. True enough. 505-6009, our telephone number as we continue here on Sports Talk. UTEP soccer 20 minutes away. Excited about that. Their first home game will be coming up on Thursday. We'll talk about that with you as Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. 948 past the hour. Sports Talk continues. 505-6009. That's our telephone number. 505-6009. Get your right on in and through to the show. Meanwhile... New Mexico State today came out with a 30-second video calling it the White Hot Aggies. What it basically is is New Mexico State wearing um, a white jersey with crimson uh, numerals, a white helmet, and white pants. And they filmed it at White Sands. But in the beginning of the uh, of the video, it shows somebody searching on Google and typing White Sands, Texas, and then they back it up and put White Sands, New Mexico. And that's where the uh, team is for the shoot. Perhaps a very subtle dig at UTEP for going out to White Sands and using that for their jersey reveal when they dropped Adidas here a few weeks ago? Yeah, they are not letting this one go. I know their fan, their fans were uh, very adamant uh, that UTEP went on enemy territory to have this photo shoot in the first place. And so the fans were really upset when the photos came out to begin with. And now they're not letting this one go. They want to rub it in UTEP's face that they had their photo shoot at White Sands, which is in New Mexico, and they want to remind UTEP about this. Okay, I think that's fair if they want to do that. By the way, I got to give mad props to Gabe Peterson. He's a sophomore linebacker for the Aggies from Overland Park, Kansas. When they um, when they filmed this uh, video, the players are posing in the sand and doing all that. This guy grabs his helmet with a huge scoop of sand in the helmet and just 
puts it on and has absolutely no care in the world that the helmet, which is full of sand, is going on his head and is about to be covered in sand. I mean, they don't show you uh, what his face looks like, but the fact that you can see all the sand in the helmet when he picks it up and just completely puts it on uh, his, his face without even having to worry about what uh, what you know what his face is going to look like when the sand is up, that is, that's classic stuff. So as far as I'm concerned... Props uh, to Gabe Peterson, outside linebacker number 16. He's a Phil Steele preseason all-conference USA fourth teamer. And uh, I like the uh, I like the look. I, I like that uh, when somebody in the video does something crazy, and, and that, was, that was pretty good. Caught my attention. Yeah, he did a good job. I mean, first off, the NMSU football, um, you know, the football communication staff did a great job on this video. Like, you got to give them cr- uh, credit for all of that and props because this was uh, creative. You know they were taking a shot at UTEP, but they made it their own. It wasn't uh, a copy of UTEP's photo shoot whatsoever. UTEP did it, remember, to obviously reveal new uniforms. Forums. This time, uh, the Aggies are doing it just to get fans excited about the season. And we don't know if they're going to wear those white-hot jerseys for the UTEP game here at the Sun Bowl on a Wednesday night in October. If they're just going to break them out for their first game. We have no idea. The only thing we know is that FIU is coming out with Vice Night during the UTEP game, and they already dropped that ridiculous video last week of one of the players driving a Lamborghini, listening to Phil Collins in the air tonight, taking you back to the days of Crockett and Tubbs, and then they're sporting those black and pink uh, jerseys, calling it Vice Night. Hey, why not capitalize on what uh, on what Miami's already doing in MLS with uh, Messi, which right now has one of the hottest-selling jerseys in all of sports, and nobody has a problem wearing those pink Messi tops right now, that's for sure. Yeah, I think that what we're seeing so far from Adidas, which FIU Adidas School, UTEP the Adidas School as well, uh, Adidas is coming out with these nice uniforms to start off the season, so they've done a good job as well. Uh, these FIU releases for the Vice City, uh, the Vice Miami, um, you know, the look I think is a really cool thing. I think they did a great job. And FIU, you're never really talking about how cool their jerseys are. You you don't really have those conversations. I'll say this too. I'm a big fan of these schools producing a slick 30-second video to promote themselves. I like that. I really do. And the fact is they launch it on social, on their social platforms for all their fans to see. And these videos now are looking better and better and better. They're creative. Uh, Their creativity is through the roof. And you want to know something? That's good. It's good for sports. Good to get people buzzing with excitement, right? Yeah, and also it's not that hard. I mean, you have people within your uh, football communications department who do these kinds of things. I think it's really cool that we get these uh, videos. It's creative, and it makes uh, the players themselves get excited. They get excited about doing them. Fans get excited about watching them, and it makes for an excitement, you know, all the buzz around football season coming around the corner. And by the way, as far as, like, my thought on the white-hot jerseys that the Aggies are going to be wearing this season for football, I – I'd give those jerseys probably about a, I don't know, B plus, A minus. How about you? Yeah, I'm giving it A minus. I always uh, am a big fan of the all white look, and when you're when you're able to clash it nicely with the maroon yep. look for NMSU, it just makes for a nice complement uniform. It's slick. It really is. All right, one in the books, one and a half to go. Stay with us, UTEP Soccer. The focus in our five o'clock hour. Their first home match of the season will be coming up Thursday. We'll talk to them next. as sports talk continues.
Start of hour number two here on Sports Talk. Welcome back. He's Adrian Broaddus. I'm Steve Kaplowitz. UTEP soccer's back in the house, Adrian. Isn't it great? We're ready to go. First match of the season coming up uh, just Thursday, two days away. We've got a valuable member of the team who is in El Paso, and she's here. Coach Gibbs Keaton is back again. He's getting comfortable. He said, can I sit in my favorite chair? I said, <laughs> yeah, no problem. You'd be more than happy to do that. He's, You know, it's like his third visit here, and he's starting to, uh, he's starting to get comfortable around here now. You know what, Steve? We are done with exhibition soccer. Yep. We are getting ready for the regular season. It's a busy week for UTEP soccer. Northern Arizona Thursday, and how about San Diego State Sunday? So it's a busy week for them, and I'm I'm excited to talk with them here to talk about the opening week. It's here. Uh, let's welcome back to the show. If you would like to put on those headphones, you can. It is completely your call, and uh, should be able to hear the show just fine. That is uh, UTEP uh, head coach uh, Gibbs Keaton, and uh, he has brought with him Leslie Gutierrez. Uh, she is with us as well, El Paso in China, as she's known. Uh, welcome, Leslie. Welcome, Coach. Good to have you both here. How are you today? Man, we're doing good. I think uh, it is my favorite chair. I etched my name right here in this little part so I can know where to sit every time. So that's what you were doing during the commercial <laughs> break. I was wondering why you're so busy. And I also saw you brought one of those uh, nice knives with you, those little arts and crafts knives. Now I understand why. It makes a lot of sense. It's kind of like uh, the movie Shawshank Redemption. Remember that? Uh, when they were uh, putting their uh, their names uh, in the uh, in the top of Absolutely. the, uh, I think that was uh, that was the movie. I'm almost positive Morgan Freeman. Yeah. So that, that is a good movie. <laughs> All right, Chena, uh, uh, good to have you make your visit here. Out to, to, is this your first trip to the show? Yes. Yes. All right. It is. How uh, how how are you doing? How is how's everything? You're you're all smiles right now. You tell me how how are things going with UTEP soccer? Um, it's going pretty well. Um, very excited for my team and I because our first game is this Thursday, and I'm ready to like show what Gibbs and like the whole coaching staff has done for us, and I know it's going to be a good season for us. I'm excited. We're going to talk more with you uh, in a moment, that's for sure. Coach, I want to, though, ask you about that New Mexico exhibition. 1-1 was the final. You tell me, if you had to grade your team out after it was all said and done, what kind of a grade would you give them for that, for that first match of the year, which was last Wednesday? It's it's harder. Are we dishing out compliments already to this group because uh, not necessarily. Yeah, you could be you could be critical <laughs> on them. That's all right. We got to be fair. We got both sides. That's right. I think uh, the theme here has been during preseason and even uh, completing that and playing the game. There's a lot more optimism, not just with the staff but with the team. They're finding belief, and in that game, there was quite a bit of adversity. We overcame that. We stayed in the game. Nobody put their head down continue to grind for the duration for the full time and uh, we fought back scored a goal and and honestly we had a real big chance to win the game and I loved every minute of it and I'm proud of them and and we got a lot more work to do but it was a great start well first off the fact that you were down two minutes and change into the match that's uh you know I guess for you as a coach you're probably thinking to yourself okay we got it out of our system (laughs) now let's go ahead let's climb back into it and and get a chance to try to win this thing and as you mentioned your team had a chance to do that so knowing that you had to play 60 plus minutes of that match down a goal uh and you came out of it with a tie probably makes you pretty uh, pretty happy all said and done i think you're way more casual about that than me my head was probably popping off my face was red and were you is uh, that what happens you get pretty red during matches if things don't go exactly your way not really but you, you know you're right china synonymous with smiling there was no smiling in the first three minutes of that game so that was tough and you know i feel we deserve a little bit more 
and we want to focus on our game start. And maybe we did get it out of our system, but we can't live that way. We can't live to come back. We can't live to be the underdog to fight through a goal against early in the game. Once the game settled down, uh, they played great, but we can't settle the game down after being scored on. It's just it's a non-negotiable for this group. What's uh, what's New Mexico like as far as uh, just the, their overall quality of play? Well, when you talk about uh, New Mexico, a lot of people don't know this, but prestigious program, phenomenal coach. Uh, and it was a great test for us. So to be able to go there, deal with some athleticism right from the start, it's uh, it's really good. And they are a good program. They will be good this year. They've been good uh, for forever as long as Heather has been there. And they had a player drafted to the NWSL last year. Wow. And, um, yes, it was great. What a great competitor three hours away. How big was that Emerson kid uh, goal to tie it all up in the uh, what, 63rd minute? I feel like, Gina, did you feel like me? Like maybe it was coming? It was... Yeah, I felt it. Yeah, we feel Tell me, why'd you, why'd you feel it, Gina? Tell me. Because, I don't know, set pieces, I feel like they're going to help us a lot this year. And especially Emerson with that good kick that she has, she's going she's gonna to kill it. Did you feel almost uh, upset at the end of the match? You should have come away with a win. Was that was that kind of the feeling? I mean, sometimes uh, teams can feel happy to come away with a tie. Other times they might say to themselves, "You know what? We let one get past us because we should have ended up with the, with the three points when it was all said and done." Uh, the way I felt after the game was happy, but mm, like we should have gotten that win because I know we're the better team, but. Things happen, and we just have to focus on the next game. Uh, as far as the team right now, this time compared to what it was like uh, last year for you when you were here, you tell me, what are some of the biggest differences you're noticing with the vibe around this club? Ooh, I think it's a big difference, honestly, on in a positive way. Uh, I feel like the whole team has good chemistry, good vibes. I feel like we are a family, and it's I'm just very excited for this team for this season, and I know we're going to crush it out there. And it's funny because you came from El Dorado, but you spent two years playing uh, Juco uh, soccer in Illinois Mm -hmm. before you came back last season. So this is your second year, but for you, it's uh, a different coaching change, different Mm -hmm. set of philosophies, and some new players coming in as well. So uh, let's talk a little bit about what your adjustment's been like, really, from year one to year two. Um, It's been different compared to JUCO and then like my first year and then my second year here at UTEP. Um, The difference is playing outside back. Um, I'm mostly like a center mid, attacking center mid, and just getting put out there as an outside back is different, but I don't know, just working hard and just going forward, it means a lot to me because I'm ready to like just beat teams basically. Yeah. And... I don't know, the the coaching staff that we have now um, has helped me a lot, and they they just want the best for us. How'd you get the nickname Chena? How'd that come around? It all started with my club coach, Ilario. Um, he just started calling me Chena, and ever since then, like... So nobody calls you Leslie, everybody calls you Chena. Yep, exactly. <laughs> you, and, and, and you're very comfortable with it, because if you've been if that goes back to your club days, you're probably like, uh, yeah, call me Chena. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> Coach, uh, you uh, same way too. Uh, when uh, when you get upset with her, 
do you call her Leslie? Is that how it works, or do you call her Chino the entire time? Every time I see uh, Leslie on the roster, I'm like, who is that? You know, I don't, I don't know who that player is. Can't we put Chino like in quotes or something like that on the roster so that way everybody kind of knows that even though her name is Leslie, she goes by Chino on the uh, on the pitch. I think you can tell that everybody knows about Chino already. So yeah. she's, she's got that going on for her for yeah. sure. Did you also feel like playing her in different positions? She has that kind of ability to play multiple spots so you didn't have to just lock her into one position it's a testament to who she is as a person she's super mature loves the game and she can do a variety of things on the field and because of her maturity she'll be asked to do a lot she'll be finding herself in a lot of different positions for a little while at UNM played forward um, but she's very dynamic very fun to watch and we embrace her versatility and it adds a lot to our team how many players on your roster have that kind of multi-positional flexibility where you feel comfortable putting them in different uh, different spots? Uh, I don't know if I could specifically give you a number, but uh, half a dozen of them do for sure. And That's they, good. And they embrace that, and they'll be asked to play in different spots. And what's unique is I just praised her maturity, and we have two freshmen that we're going to be playing in different spots because they're willing to give it all for the team and play wherever they need. And they'll be playing in different roles than what they were necessarily, in quotations, recruited to do. But as a coach, if you know that you can get somebody that can play a variety of positions and, and, and play them well, those would probably be the most valuable players you could ever get because that way you don't have to just pigeonhole yourself into certain spots and not having the kind of flexibility and depth to be able to shuffle the roster up. Yeah, if they're winners and high competitive drive, we're all in. And we're, we're about that, and we're, we're going to play them, and we're going to put them on the field. And, you know, maybe that's the progression of UTEP recruiting. Maybe we're looking for that mentality piece first and kind of go from there. You've only had one match, so it's hard to talk about it going into the, uh, the game coming up on Thursday. But are you happy right now at least where your team is at this spot? Yeah, you know, this is all a process, and we're going through it. This is the first couple of steps up the mountain that we're trying to achieve here. And again, optimistic, that's the word I'll continue to go back to. Uh, but we've got a ton of work, and, and they've started to believe in themselves. And if they can continue to push that forward to, to mobilize our team, we'll be in a good spot. But that's up to them, and i got to stay uh, laying out that process for them. All right. Uh, Adrian, I know you've got some questions uh, right across the glass. Uh, why don't you get started? Coach, you have eight starters returning and then 11 new faces. For those who missed our conversation uh, before just previewing the season, how would you describe the style of play that, that fans will get a chance to watch and witness on Thursday? You know, for me, I'm going to put myself uh, into their shoes and be a fan. It'll be entertaining. They'll like it. You know, the changes that we've made is you'll be proud of these players. You'll be proud of all of them, whether they start or come on the game or come in the game as game changers. You'll see a lot of energy, and you'll see us work hard and take pride in whatever the scoreline is and, and what we're capable of doing. So I think that's the first thing is you'll be entertained by uh, what our blue-collar mentality will be. And then we've showcased some dynamic capacity in the attacking third and, and creation zone that maybe was lacking last year. And, you know, most fans are judging the game by goals, and we hope to have goals, of course. And uh, we think you'll witness the blue-collar mentality before you'll see the goals and appreciate that. How are you guys establishing yourself as a program among the community? I know that was a big thing for just local soccer fans, just having that the, the feel of feeling the connection between the community of El Paso and also this uh, UTEP soccer uh, squad. Again, super proud of our team. We went out to the uh, outlets this past weekend. 
they were shaking hands, meeting people, promoting themselves. We just have to. You know, we've really had a theme of within the athletic department, with our peers in sports as student athletes, and then within the community, we got to change our status before we can change our identity. And um, they're doing that. They did that at summer camp, let, met a lot of people, had tons of interactions. Over 300 people attended a camp, and we want to continue to use that to drive the buzz and the popularity of our team to get these young athletes out to our games. Is the change in mindset an overnight thing, or will that take a lot of time? It's so hard, and it's not just hard for the players and the staff. It's hard because in this quest, in this process, you have ups and downs, but that's life. You know, That's what we're doing every single day as adults, as student-athletes anyway. And yeah, it, it doesn't happen overnight, and our exhibition gave us a burst of belief. I really feel that way. Um, but what I want to say about our team, even if we had lost that game, we're not into moral victories. We don't do that. But even if we had lost, I think there would have still been a spark of belief yeah. amongst our team. And, and that's a good judge of what we're capable of doing, how we'll deal with some of that adversity. You know what I liked when you were talking earlier in one of your answers? You didn't say players coming off the bench. You called them game changers. And that's that right there tells you that. They're not subs. These are people that you feel can come in and instantly turn on a switch and, you know, like a Saints of Emerson Kitt, she comes off the she comes off the bench, game changer, ties the match and you end up one one when it's all said and done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's significant. We're in preseason. Not everybody's going to stay healthy. you got to be ready for your number to be called, and not just ready. You have to perform at a high level, yeah. or your number may not get called again. And that's just the, you know, that's what we're telling the players. Like, hey, here's your opportunity. We believe in you to do it. We're putting you in. It's an honor and a privilege for you to go on the field. Now show us. Show us you mean it. And then we can kind of go from there. So it's been great. More with Coach Keaton, more with Chena as we continue. If you've got questions, send them to us now. You can either get us on Twitter or on X at 600 ESPN El Paso. By the way, uh, what do you call it? Is it Twitter still for you or do you call it X? What that's, do you have now? That's the first time I heard anybody call it X. That was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> what, do you, what do you like better? Do you prefer Twitter or do you prefer X? What uh, do you, you know think? what? I'm about change right now. I'm going to start calling it X. Are you? Yeah. Okay. Uh, what, what about you, Chena? I'll call it X, too. X? Yeah. All right. Well, some of my listeners still want to tweet, which is fine. But if you would like to uh, get in on uh, on the show via Twitter or on X, you can do so at 600 ESPN El Paso or call in 505-6009. More in a moment, but first, let's go to Charlie One and get this traffic update. Northern Arizona coming to town, 6 o'clock Thursday, University Field. First home match of the Gibbs Keaton era, and uh, you, he likes that. He had a big smile on his face when I said that. I don't blame you. It's a, it's exciting stuff. Look, hey, this is what it's all about for you, right? You get that opportunity, come back to your hometown. You're running the, now. You're in charge of the UTEP soccer program, and hey, you have a chance to make a pretty good uh, stamp on this season, which all kicks off on Thursday. Yeah, it's going to be exciting, and and yeah, of course, I take pride in that. You know, I want to be here for the team, and and I don't want it to deter or deflect from what they've put in as a team. But I think it's equally as exciting for everybody for this sure. new start to our season. So it's great. How many? What? Uh, okay, you've you've got your family, your your wife and kids. But how big is? Do you have a, a lot of family in the El Paso area right now? You know what I do? I, I wouldn't say necessarily family, but. Going to high school in El Paso, I got a good group, and uh, yeah. I think they're going to show up in force for the game. Good. And I hope our local kids' families and friends are showing up in force in the game. And then my sister decided to have a lot of kids, so she's got a big family, so she'll be there too, and they're all soccer players. Uh, that'll be a lot of fun for sure. 
Uh, so it sounds to me like between you and your sister, you got everything covered right now. Yeah, we're now, good. Right? That, sound, that sounds <laughs> about right. We're good. Um, also, uh, Chino, what about the uh, Gutierrez family? Uh, how many will be in, in, uh, in force this week uh, for the first matchup coming up against Northern Arizona? I say a pretty handful. Good. Yeah. Was it exciting for you to come back home after being away for a couple of years in Illinois, knowing you get to play in front of a family and friends? Oh, yes. I love I love it being here for and playing for my hometown because I get to show literally my my parents what I've been working my whole life and just bringing out my grandma, my grandpa, mm -hmm. everyone and just making them well, not making them, but like bringing them out here and just showing them what they have as a family. Yeah. What was Illinois like for you those two years you were there? Oh, it was fun. I loved it. Uh, it was a great experience. And I don't know, just like playing out there with different um, team, like atmosphere. It was so different. And I love every bit of, bit of it. And also like just playing in nationals was a great experience. And I loved it. Where is Heartland uh, Community College in relation to Chicago and some of the bigger cities in Illinois? Um, it's actually in normal Illinois. It's like an hour and 40 from Chicago. Okay, yeah. so not bad. Did you ever get a chance to go into Chicago oh, a little yes. while you were there? Yes, every weekend I was there what shopping. Did you, oh, I could, yeah, shopping would be probably a good <laughs> yes. thing about that. How was the weather? You're not used to winters uh, like that when you live here in El Paso. What was that like? It was so different. Um, the first time... I think it was around, I say, October, around there. Um, I had, like, the first snowstorm ever, yeah. and I was like, oh, my God. Like, literally, the snow was up to my knees. I was like, this is so new to me, but I got used to it. Uh, that's yeah. yeah. It'll happen uh, after a while. You'll say this is not this is not such a bad thing. But then you appreciate El Paso more, right? Because yes. you don't have to deal with snow up to your knees. Yes, but ugh, it gets super hot here. Um, <laughs> when you were having a chance to play at El Dorado, um, and and we we've talked to coach about this a lot too. We we have some really good soccer talent in El Paso. Was was UTEP a place that you always wanted and saw yourself maybe having a chance to come and play for the minors? Oh yes. Um, I actually have like a 2018 cap shirt and I don't know it's just crazy to me to see like back in my like Snapchat memories like watching other teams um, play and I was just like one day I'm gonna make it and here I am. Oh that's <laughs> awesome. I love that and coach that's what you gotta love too because at the camps this is where you get your first look mm -hmm. at the quality of talent that this city has and then you start to realize you can probably envision you know some of these they're kids and then five six seven eight years down the road you picture huh you know what they would look great as minors. And you get a chance to kind of scout them at an early age and, and see them all the way up until they could eventually be playing for you. That's exactly what we're doing. We're out there at camps, and we imagine them in orange and playing in front of 650, fingers crossed, people on a Thursday evening. And, and it's really putting El Paso on notice. Like, we want the best of the best. We want the Chinas. We want the Anisas. We want all those local kids that are highly talented to stay here and to be able to say, hey, I take pride in bringing my family to, to the game. Hey, I take pride in putting the orange on because I saw so many people do it. And, you know, we also want to be good. We want there to be an appeal that's mutual to them, and that's what we're working on, and that's what this year will look like for them. How good is the quality of talent that we have here in El Paso? Very good. And uh, not that I'm surprised by it because of what's represented on our team, but some of them did go away 
uh, work on their game, improve, and come back. And that's great. That's a great development path. Um, but for the ones that are playing club now, there's a handful in this next recruiting class that we would be, uh, you know, great considerations for them to be minors and, and it would be great to have them as part of our team and and we hope to make that happen and we hope that through some achievements they'll be more interested how is uh utep perceived by these high school coaches or club coaches here in the area i think it's changing i think that would be my first answer it's changing there was maybe not as much of a desire to go here in the previous couple of years uh but now with the excitement and uh, players that we currently have that are speaking positively in the community about our program, uh, it's, it's definitely changing, and, and they want to be a part of it. But now it's up to us. We, we do have to convince them. That's the stage we're at. But guess what? That's a part of recruiting. That's what, that's what we have to do. That's our job, and we're happy to do that. And as long as we can be in the battle, we'll, we'll do our best to keep them here. Hey, we're in sales when we're not on the air. Adrian sells, I sell, you sell, Same. because you're selling the program. That's Absolutely. the whole idea. Yes, for sure. And I love selling. It's a couple of things that I really like that people don't understand and realize of the job. I love the business aspect of it, falling in line with budget or going over it at times. I'm not always great at that. Um, But then the selling part to it, it's so much fun and just establishing that relationship first um, because what you're selling is a genuine four years to be a part of something awesome. So if I'm a recruit right now, how would you sell me on UTEP? First thing I tell you is you better get out to the game. You better be in that seat. If you're not, then you don't realistically want to be a part of what we have going on. And then after the game, we better be able to have a hard conversation. If you can put the orange on and do what we do, then let's go. Don't you also feel that when somebody gets out to University Field and they see that backdrop, that setting, that it almost – I don't want to say it sells itself, but it really is one of the nicest places you're going to play anywhere around this uh, part of the country. Yeah, I think the the funny thing there is it's, it is an oasis in the desert. It's majestic. I've been to a lot of places. I'm very traveled in NCAA soccer, and it's beautiful. Um, because most places it's a field and a facility. This is the – setting of in the mountain and so we're constantly talking about look at the mountains and just being blessed to be where we are and that was last night too watching the sunset oh my goodness with the clouds and oh it's beautiful well you had the whole team with you, you guys were all watching the sunset together yeah we were training a little bit and there might have been some tough coaching points where we had to take a deep breath and look over at the sunset and actually last night was raining it was it was a great spot oh it was first off last night was amazing how many of you were up at twelve thirty in this morning when the lightning and thunder was coming down and it started pouring outside. I woke up, and it took me about another half hour to get back to sleep, and I was like, yes, finally, some rain so my sprinklers get some help. I was so excited about that, and you had some of that uh, during the training and the workouts last night. You didn't have to worry about being up till 1230 at night. Yeah, we were snoozing for sure. It's been, we've been grinding, so it was rest time for us. So, Gina, you're telling me that uh, by that time you, you're so exhausted and worn out from a day, you're not having any trouble sleeping right mm-hmm. now. I was dead asleep. <laughs> Do you ever get to the point where you're so excited about a match and just looking forward to playing so much you have a hard time sleeping because all you're thinking about is that match? Yes, it happens most every day. Um, every time I'm excited for, for practice, I have a hard time sleeping. It's so hard for me. I sometimes have to take melatonin, honestly. Just to help you make sure you – and that's for practice. Yes. I can't even, so if that's what it's like for practice, games have to be even crazier, mm-hmm. right? Yes, exactly. Oh, that's good. Don't worry. I, I sometimes feel like I should take melatonin before a show because, <laughs> yeah, I get so excited about that too. I have a hard time, uh, I have a hard time containing myself, so I'm, I'm with you on that. When we come back, we're going to wrap things up with UTEP soccer. We're gonna, I want to learn about their opponents. 
Northern Arizona. What to expect from uh, Northern Arizona come Thursday. So we'll do that right after Adrian has this bottom of the hour Sports Center update. Adrian, thank you very much. Um, you have four matches in the next 12 days, Coach. This is exciting stuff because after Thursday's home opener with Northern Arizona, you play at San Diego State Sunday at 8 o'clock here, El Paso time. And then next Thursday, Abilene Christian, 7 o'clock for Heroes Night. And then 1 o'clock next uh, week from Sunday against Arizona State, and that's Camper Day. And by the way, these are tough matches. I like this schedule because you're going to be pretty battle-tested by the time CUSA season starts. That's the objective, and it's uh, one game at a time. Our, our focus is strictly on NAU, super opponent, and you know if we can throw down in that game, we'll be proud of where we're going, and that, that's what we're trying to do. We showed some fight against UNM, and it's going to be a big-time battle on Thursday at University Field. What can you tell me about NAU? Give me a scouting report. Man, super opponent. You know what? They're somewhere between New Mexico State and New Mexico, and that's a testament to their quest of winning the Big Sky last year. They did the double. They won the regular season, and they won the tournament. And we're not shy about talking about that. We know we're the underdog in every game. We've embraced that. We're ready to do our best and make sure that we're prepared for the game, and I feel like within 48 hours we'll be ready for that game. That means they're an NCAA tournament team, which is big because uh, that's always the goal for you, You're these, these ladies, and what uh, you want to strive to achieve at the end of every season, play in the NCAA tournament. They are an NCAA tournament team, and, and they look the part already for repeating that and doing the same thing. But we also need to prepare ourselves for Liberty and New Mexico State and those other Conference USA opponents that you reference. Yeah. That's why we're playing them. Now, you said they looked the part. Is it because of the size, the speed, the skill level, all of the above? What can you tell us? Yeah, just respect to them. They do. They fill in a lot of those um, attributes that you just mentioned. Their athleticism is great, but we're up for that. Their style of play is direct in nature. We're up for that. And then uh, we'll give it all we got. Chino, what can you tell me? You probably watched them on tape a little bit this week. Uh, Without giving away too many details, uh, what do you know about your opponents? Um, just like Gibbs says, that we have to respect them, but then at the same time, we have to put in the work and get that dub. When you're on the pitch, do you have a mean streak? Is that, is that when the smile goes away and uh, the competitiveness comes out and all you want to do is uh, make sure you can win it at any cost? Yes, exactly. Just like that. Really? Yes. I, I like that. Um, <laughs> did you grow up playing a lot of sports besides soccer, or was this the only one that you gravitated to? Um, I played well, I did track and field middle school, and then literally, like, ever since, like, four years old, I just started playing soccer. Soccer, and then middle school, I did track and field, and then yeah. soccer, and then just soccer. How was, your El- how was your El Dorado team when you played? Ooh, <laughs> you don't, you don't want to know. We were good. We were so good, and then COVID came and mm. ruined that. We sh- honestly, we should have gone to state. Honestly, well, first off, it's it's hard. It was hard to de- to defeat COVID uh, back yes. in twenty twenty. All right, they, it's listen. We already know about all that. <laughs> so, had COVID not been around, you think that it could have been a pretty special uh, special season for you and for the El Dorado ladies? Yes, for sure. Like I said, um, we should have gone to state. Honestly, okay. Uh, when you're not playing soccer and taking melatonin, <laughs> what could we find yourself doing? What do you like to do in your spare time? Um. Spend time with my family, um, just working out most of the time. I think that's where like I feel relief, 
even though I'm working out. Yeah. But um, just spending time with my family, going shopping. Um, yeah, that's basically it. Criminal justice major, what do you want to do when you're all said and done and soccer is finished? Uh, I want to go into Border Patrol, and then once I have um, some years in Border Patrol, I would like to go into FBI. Wow, look at you. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> Boy. And you would never guess that. I'm serious. She's got the smile. <laughs> you would never think this is somebody who wants to do Border Patrol and FBI when it's all said and done. Well, Chino's on this plan of we're sneaking up on people. Here we come. And she's part of that. She's a big part of that. <laughs> what is the UTEP message this season? You just said we're sneaking up on people. Is that going to be your um, you know, your theme this year, Coach? What do you have? No, nah, that's what the opponent can think, right? They can they can take us lightly, and, and we'll do that on our own accord. But we, we want the support because we are the underdog. And without support... We can do it by ourselves, but it's better with this pride that the fanship might have coming out to University Field. And we need a home field advantage, and the only way we can get that is to put people in the seats. Mm -hmm. I want to hear a ranking from both of you all as far as the jerseys uh, that you all will have this season because I like them all, but I would like a, a ranking, maybe one, two, and three. Three being the highest? Uh, let's go one being the best. Are we ranking oh. the rank the jerseys? Like, Which ones do you like the best? Ooh, my favorite is the 915. 915 is yeah. I like the white one the best. So, uh, And then I'm going 915 second. Uh, how many do you have all together? Three kits? Five. <laughs> Five it's kits? It's amazing. That's wow. a UTEP support again right there. We got Look a full staff. We got full uniforms. UTEP's doing it right. Uh, which are we wearing Thursday night? Dang. Are we, are we telling? I already know. Nah, it's a secret. It's a secret? secret. It's a secret. Uh, you guys have orange. to come. You, have to, how about, you guys how, have to come here's, to the... Here's my question. You said uh, 915 and white are your, are your top two. Is it safe to say that of the top two, one of them will be worn this Thursday? Or should we just keep uh, everybody uh, guessing? It's going to be – It's you're going to have to find out. out. Yeah. yeah. Come <laughs> to the game. <laughs> and, and 650 people, that's a sellout, right, Coach? Yeah, we can do that. I feel like that's achievable. Come on, El Paso. Come it's on. definitely achievable. 650 is nothing. We should be doing it. We should have 650 Thursday. We should definitely have 650 for the matches in a couple of weeks, including ASU, on a, on a Sunday afternoon. That would be phenomenal. Yeah, this is ESPN 600. Let's beat 600. Let's get 650 yeah. out there. 650. That's what we we're got not, it. We're not ESPN 650, but we'll take it. We'll, just, we'll, <laughs> we'll do that. We'll try to go over the crowd limit. Yeah. Hey, great to see you both best of luck uh, on thursday and thanks again for coming by and and, and joining us man today. thank you guys man, so much you. sports awesome from uh, gibbs and china right back to you folks as we continue 38 past more in a moment sports talk continues 600 espn el paso back here on sports talk as we continue thanks again to utep soccer for joining us on the program excited about that Tim Haggerty will join us in less than an hour. Talk Chihuahuas baseball. They've uh, made a ton of moves today. We'll get to the lowdown from Hags and find out all about that. Hey, how about the uh, little battle right now between New Mexico State and UTEP on social media? Apparently, um, UTEP football, after seeing the white hot drop, um, sent out a 27-second video 25 minutes ago and titled it by saying, had a few extra minutes today and dropped their video out at White Sands. So now we've got dueling uh, White Sands videos of both UTEP and also 
New Mexico State, both the White Sands. I love it. The battle continues for the Battle of I-10. I like it. So now, um, I, I you know, I get the clap back from New Mexico State, and I understand why their fans felt the need to go off on UTEP and say, hey, look, why did you do this in New Mexico? They called them out on it. I had no problem about it in the first place, and I actually liked the UTEP video in the first place as well. I thought NMSU's was unique, and they did their own thing on it, and so UTEP did their own thing as well. Well, well first off, uh, Dion Hankins is in it, along with, uh, it looks like, uh, Tyrese Knight. And by the way, um, Hankins is, like, exploding out of this. Spikes a football into the sand, which I do like as well. And then Knight spins the ball uh, with the Adidas logo at the end. Hey, man, it's sharp. I like the fact that both schools are ready to uh, start dropping uh, White Sands videos left and right today. Yeah, that's right. And uh, UTEP had to throw this out there, seeing the NMSU football one that was released today. And that one was, of course, you know, to uh, throw a little shot at UTEP. So, uh, yeah, it's it's nonstop subtweeting. Now, now that we don't have tweet anymore, do we say sub-Xing or sub posting or something like that i would say uh just it's like a posting battle yeah right okay the posts the battle of the posts i guess is what we can say it um although listen i I, i've said it earlier to me and i mentioned this when uh both uh, gibbs uh, keaton was here uh, along with uh, china i said you can you know hit us up on twitter or on x whatever you prefer because it's the same same platform if you want to call it twitter it's twitter if you want to call it x it's x i don't care what you call it as long as you as long as you message us at 600 ESPN El Paso, that's all we care about. We just want to get listener feedback as much as possible and listener input during the show today. Yeah, just like uh, Burn of Iron, who said, well, job, Coach Keaton, and well, uh, way to promote UTEP soccer. So he was listening into the conversation. Yeah, that's right. Uh, thank you, uh, Bernardo Delietto, uh, getting in on that uh, as well. So. Yes, that is good. And I do like uh, Ben. I, I like uh, Burn of Iron. That's a good, good handle on Twitter, isn't it? For Bernard. Yeah, I like it a lot. Yeah, you can go Burn of Iron. I like that, too. Hey, meanwhile, um, I've got the uh, DVR set tonight for Hard Knocks Episode 2, which drops. I'm looking forward to watching that. Spent my morning... Um, and I rearranged uh, the DVR, and one of the things I did was I made sure that every episode of Winning Time records and every episode of Hard Knocks records. Nice. Okay. Because even though I'm watching only the apps on my living room television, my bedroom TV is so old that the cable box and the DVR still looks as good as it has over the last 15 years when it comes to programs on that uh, Spectrum box. Hey, uh, Tuesdays are now must-see uh, football nights for Hard Knocks, so I'm definitely there with you. I-, I wonder if we'll get a little Dalvin Cook today, even by phone. I wonder if we'll get more of Aaron Rodgers, who was the star in Episode 1. Mm. I love the Sauce Gardner-Garrett Wilson uh, you know, battles that we saw in the first uh, week. Do we see that coming in the second week as well? And, you know, they're fresh off the preseason game. So we'll get a lot of insight as to how that went. You also realize that they could end the show tonight with Dalvin Cook. That could be how it ends. I'm I'm so interested to see how 
last minute the editing process is since that story broke yesterday? Yeah, my guess is they will have it. I think they, they'll they'll have some kind of nod to the Dalvin Cook situation and the signing. Although, uh, Dalvin Cook will not be joining the team for a while. He's expecting a baby coming in, uh, you know, with his own uh, family here soon. And he's also, uh, you know, coming off that shoulder uh, surgery injury. So he's going to, it'll take some time for him to see even on-field action or even, you know, be with the Jets uh, for training camp. Meanwhile, um, Brees Hall is back, and I'm excited about that. So he was practicing um, and activated from the uh, pup list. So, you know, here they say he didn't do much in his first practice, light individual drills, but the Jets are confident he'll be ready for week one, according to Robert Sala. So what they want to do is limit his workload early in the season, make Cook the primary ball carrier, that's according to a Rich Semini and ESPN.com, who quoted a source. Remember, they also have Michael Carter, Zonovan Knight, as well as uh, Israel um, Abanaconda. They got a lot of they got a lot of running backs in that room. Yeah, it's a loaded running back group right now. I'm not sure, you know, this is the time of year where we're going to have to really evaluate these carries for guys like Michael Carter because he might be the odd man out. They might, uh, you know, they might go with the rookies. They might go with the guys who are a little bit unknown. But if there has to be some cuts down the line, maybe they go with the second or third year guy. Unfortunately, like Michael Carter, who's really productive, uh, I don't think he should uh, be cut from this team. I think they can go three or four deep in their running back group and they should prioritize running back is a spot where they have four or five guys on their roster uh, but we'll we'll end up seeing what happens to that I think Brees Hall is their guy in week one knowing that Dalvin Cook is coming off that injury and I think Dalvin Cook will be the, the workhorse back uh, from week five throughout the rest of the season and in their postseason run. Now remember if uh, in fact Dalvin Cook and Brees Hall do not play in the preseason then that just makes the first game even more interesting since the Jets uh, will, in fact, uh, you know, not give them any reps, figuring uh, they can just work themselves right in when week one hits. Yeah, I'd be shocked if they played any preseason games. I'll, I'll be real with you. I, I would be shocked. Uh, Robert Sala is cut from the new generation of head coaches who don't necessarily like to play their starters in early preseason action. My dad and I were talking about that over the week, and I think it's interesting that there's a divide across the league. Some coaches want their starters to get at least uh, one snap or two snaps in NFL preseason action, and some some don't want their starters even suiting out. So it's an interesting divide in terms of philosophy for these coaches as to who they end up playing in these preseason games. Which is why I love the situation in Green Bay, as we talked about yesterday with Rob Domofsky and Jordan Love. They have to play him in the preseason because right now they really don't know for sure what they're getting with him, and they have to get him preseason reps. Yeah, that's why the Bucks have to play Kyle Trask and Baker Mayfield. That's why the Falcons have to play Desmond. Ritter here in the preseason. That's why the Panthers have to go with uh, Bryce Young, and they have to throw him out there in preseason action. Same with the 49ers. Even though Brock Purdy seems to be their starting quarterback going into week one of the NFL season, they're throwing Trey Lance out there. They want to see what they have in him. They want to see what Sam Darnold's bringing, into, uh, bringing to the table as well. So uh, That's what the NFL preseason's for. Well, you know what I love about the Trey Lance move with the Niners is if he looks really good, they can trade him. 
I mean, that's part of the fun with preseason is showcase guys lower on your depth chart, and if teams have a hole they need to fill somebody, now you've got a little extra value you can trade. Yeah, with Lance, it's a polarizing guy because some people felt like he had a good weekend. Some people felt like he had a terrible. He had four sacks. Uh, he was sacked four times against the Raiders. Uh, some people did not like his performance. So it's, it's kind of different uh, as far as opinions go on Trey Lance early on into his career. Two down, 30 minutes to go here on our Tuesday edition of Sports Talk. When we come back, Tim Haggerty, about 20 minutes away from Albuquerque, he'll join us as well. Stay with us, continuing here, 600 ESPN El Paso. Brought us. Every time I hear this song, I just think about the end of the Warriors as they're walking off Coney Island. The song's playing in the background. And uh, man, what a great movie. Part of Adrian's movie reviews from last summer when Adrian watched about 75 movies over the course of a four or five month period and reviewed them all. Now he's married. He's got a much tougher life. He's not able to do what he did, which tells us just what a great feat that was last year. Let's be honest, folks. I mean, we turned to show when we found out Adrian hadn't seen most movies that a lot of us knew, and we turned it into like a massive project for him. And all he did was watch film after film after film. It was amazing. But now, you know, I mean, he's a working man like it was last year, but he's a family man. He's got a wife. It's tougher now. It's, it's not as easy. And plus, football season's coming. We tried. I tried to talk Adrian into doing it a couple of months ago, and we had a conversation during the break, and he's like, look, I just I can't. I can't. It's just not it, – we can't do it like we did last year. So I'm happy you watched a bunch of movies like The Warriors and everything else because I definitely feel that you are now cinematically so much more well-rounded than you were before we started that project. I agree completely, and I owe it to you guys. Uh, and I say guys and include Cody Decker, who I sent a Warriors gif out to hoping that we would have him on our show uh, soon – and maybe we still will, but uh, it's just been difficult, you know, scheduling with a busy man like Cody Decker. Uh, it did catch his attention. He d- he doesn't typically respond to texts to me anymore, which is really sad, but he did respond to that text when I threw out a Warriors gif at him, and uh, I have him to thank and you to thank for watching all those great movies. Boy, at least he responded to you. That's good. It's tough. To- You're right. He's, a- he's-, he's really busy, and I think he's on vacation now in Mexico, so I can understand why it's hard to get uh, Deck uh, with us uh, on the show this week he's, he's been he's been you know he deserves a vacation i was gonna say when's the last time he's taken a vacation he usually instead of taking vacations he just moves you know that's kind of like his vacation or time off he just ends up moving his whole life you know from places like el paso to places like new york you know yeah that's true that is very true and now you know he could have some some new projects coming here in the near future that i want to talk to him about on the show so we'll look forward to doing that meanwhile we got a lot of guests the rest of the week it's going to be phenomenal adrian's going to hold the fort down for me on friday this week and then um i, I know you've got weddings coming up here yourself where you're going to be leaving town so we've got a lot of stuff happening and i'm excited about that 
Yeah, we're only 11 days away from UTEP football's first game out at Jacksonville State, by the way. Uh, 2.30 kickoff next Saturday. People have to just mark it on their calendar. Make it appointment viewing. Uh, it's UTEP football back in action. We'll have minor talk here presented by the Oscar ID at the agency after the game. And yeah, it really gets started next week. I just was talking to somebody right now. It's going to be exciting talking about like recapping sports, Steve, instead of just talking about previews for all these sports that are coming up. So true. So, so true. And it's funny because I was on with Buzz this morning across the hall on the KLAQ morning show, and Buzz was asking me during the sports report about UTEP football. And he said, uh, you know, isn't this the, uh, isn't this the year you always, uh, you know, get excited and talk about how many wins UTEP's going to have? And I, and I thought about it. And I said, yeah. I said, and if things go well, I think you'd have eight or nine. And they all start busting out laughing. And I said, and, and he just looked at me and he said, you know how ridiculous that sounds? And I go, listen, every year I get it. Like, um, as much as I would love to go on the radio and tell you that UTEP's going to win five or six games, if you look at the team and you look at the conference and you look at everything and you actually forecast a year with no significant injuries and players doing what they're supposed to do, this really should be a terrific football season. Now, things never work out that way. Something happens, and it always seems to change uh, the course of a team's dynamic. But if you really you know, have watched UTEP, look at the team coming back, look at their schedule, look at everything, and for once catch a couple breaks and things work their way and the ball actually bounces their way, you know, once again, who knows what I'm going to say in November, December, where I'm either going to look like a genius or just an absolute imbecile, but I could definitely see one of those special seasons happening this year. I really could. And I feel weird saying it because I feel like I say it all the time. But this year, more than ever, Adrian, you know, the stars are kind of lining up for him, and I hope that it actually turns into that. Yeah, I felt like that last year, man. I, I did too. I, I felt like that last year. I felt like last year's season was so high. At this point last year, forget about it. There was no t- there's practically no tickets left for the 915 game as UTEP was getting ready to host uh, North Texas. Everybody in this town who was thinking positively about UTEP just overlooked the mean green. And unfortunately, at that first game, uh, I, I felt like that kind of led to a downfall domino effect for that UTEP football team. They did not handle it adversity that well they didn't handle prosperity in the offseason that well and that's the difference I think going into 2023 they don't have the same expectations on them uh, by the masses their fans are kind of out and there it's up to them to win back the fan base uh, to be excited about this football team so this is a, a totally different approach for this year's football team haven't we been talking about UTEP trying to win the fans back since 2007 I mean, the reason I don't say 2006, because that wasn't a particularly good year either, was uh, they at least had been coming off of the 04-05 eight-win seasons in the bowl games. So uh, the crowds kind of continued into 06, even though the team did not respond the way that we hoped they would. So I kind of feel like the last, you know, let's see, what, 16 years that, UTEP's been trying to win the fans back. 
Yeah, ever since I've covered UTEP, I've been talking about this. So, I, and, and this is probably uh, I started covering UTEP football like in college in 2015. So it's been a while, uh, you know, for UTEP. And it, every single year, it's the same thing. It's a lot of optimism around August. It's trying to win back the fan base, trying to excite the local fans about it. And I, I remember those mid 2000 games, you know, when I was growing up around UTEP football, and I remember how many fans they had. But the difference is between now. Na- uh, you know, now and then is you'd have consistent fan support. You'd mm-hmm. have every weekend there would be fans out there at the Sun Bowl, regardless of the opponent. And now it's just not the case. It's just not like how it was in the mid two thousands when the buzz was all about UTEP football. That's because there are so many more things to do now here than there was twenty years ago, and there's so much more competition for your entertainment dollar now than it was before. I mean, that's just, you know, those are the facts. There's a lot of things to do. And not only that, and I'll tell you this, because of streaming television, people are inclined to sit, stay home more now than ever before. There's movies, there's shows, there's games. I mean, think about it. You used to be able to have cable and satellite, and that was it, right? Now, thanks to all these apps, I mean, my God, if you have to, if if you were spent you know, the rest of your life having to watch uh, streaming television, you wouldn't be so bad because there's something to watch all the time. You never really get bored. So that's the hard part about it too. Now is that, you know, in order to go and and be a part of this, it's not just saying, hey, it's time to support the home team and 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 you know be back and and be there. Hey, you've got to, they've got to earn it again and get it back and it's tougher now than it's ever been because there are so many more things to do for your dollars going to the movies are different now because you can drink a beer you can eat some food it's not just popcorn and hot dogs and sodas now you can actually you know enjoy a different experience at the movies you've got top golf you have all these other things you can do with yourself and that's just you know the, the beginning of it. That's the tip of the iceberg. So, yeah, it's a little different now in 2023 than it was in 2007. Yeah, take just minor fans, uh, you know, in particular. I would say that we get calls from time to time of minor talk say, from people who live in El Paso who prefer to watch the game or listen to the game at home rather than go to the game, and they know just as much as those who go to every home game. They they follow UTEP sports but from afar, so they consume their UTEP sports in a totally different way, and they might feel more comfortable at the comfort of their home. They might find it more uh, cost-effective to watch it from home and stuff like that or listen to it uh, here on 600 ESPN El Paso whenever we air the games or they like the comfort of their home because then they get to uh, you know cycle through different games that are going on. Maybe they're just big college football fans and they want to stay up to date with all the other games that are going on across the country like UTEP. Because it's so easy to follow them now right. versus the way it used to be. ESPN Plus, you get a zillion games every night. Like, there's, there's something to watch no matter what sports you want to watch. There's just, it's like that. And then you add Apple TV, you add Paramount, you add, uh, you know, Prime and, and MLB and NFL Ticket. And before you know it, you know, you've got, you've got more sports than you can handle. And that's sports. That doesn't even include movies, TV shows, concerts, music, everything else there is out there. It's, it's, it's ridiculous what's there. Plus, you still have Chihuahuas, you still have Locomotive. You still have Rhinos. So you've got competition from the other local sports teams. You have competition from New Mexico State as well. And then there's fans that go to the Cowboys. 
that go to the Cardinals, that go to the Raiders now because they're in Vegas. So that's also competition because even though they're not in town, hey, people will travel to Phoenix, to Dallas, to Houston, to Vegas, and go watch games. Yeah, and that's what makes the month of September so important for the Miners. They have to have success against their first two opponents uh, at Jacksonville State, which, of course, is the end of August. But then they have to have success in that opening uh, home game against Incarnate Word because once they hit the road, everything's up in the air against Northwestern and Arizona. And then you have an uphill battle in terms of dates when the games are scheduled. So you have a Friday game to close out the month of September uh, against La Tech here at the Sun Bowl. You also have all three Wednesday games in October at FIU against New Mexico State on a Wednesday and then at Sam Houston. So how much momentum will actually be around this football team come November when football matters the most and when you're trying to gear up for a bowl game if you're still in contention at that point? If you're winning a lot. If you beat Northwestern and or Arizona, it'll help. You beat UNLV, it'll help. You win your conference games, it's big. So like I said, I mean, they're not playing Tennessee. They're not playing Oklahoma. They're not playing Texas. I mean, they're playing Northwestern, Arizona, and UNLV. Those are three of their non-conference games. And guess what? They're winnable. They are. They're winnable games. So, you know, that's a big deal. It's uh, we, we always look at UTEP's non-conference and say, L, L, L. This time around, Adrian, if you're ever going to play Northwestern, this is the year to do it. And UNLV should be a game they can win. Arizona, who knows? You come across, you come off of, of an emotional high beating Northwestern, who knows what could happen with your team? Yeah, who knows what could happen after those non-conference games, too. If you're healthy going into the rest of Conference USA play, I mean, there's if you're looking at this glass half full, there's a legit chance for UTEP to be a CUSA title contender. Yep. Now, on the flip side, if they struggle through non-conference play, if those first two games are not as easy as we are talking about it right now, uh, then then uh, coming in the month of November and uh, December, there's probably not going to be a lot of relevant football games for UTEP playing. So I, I would say that you need to play those first early season games as best as possible to try to catch catapult you for conference play hope you're right hope you're right 16 passed we'll come back with hags and our final countdown right here 600 espn el paso